One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. You know, I I do this assessment with people when I work on intercultural competence coaching and it sort of measures their effectiveness to engage interculturally on several different dimensions and one of those is positive regard and that's sort of like how willing are you to trust people who are different than you how open are you to engage with difference do you assume the best about people or not that along with self-awareness ironically is what people usually score the lowest on Um and so when somebody scores low on positive regard and we want to work on that what I what I do with them is I say okay let's talk about the assumptions that you make about different groups of people let's talk about the stereotypes that you have about different groups of people and we make an exhaustive list and then their task is to find any and every piece of information they can that contradicts that how you dare how you dare that was the voice of Lena Papadopoulos Now Lena as you find in the interview grew up in a very similar way that most TCKs grow up in you know being in the middle of different cultures not fully being one while not being the other and in that process through mental health self-care and just sheer curiosity about the world she created a career for herself a career path that led her to become this amazing cross-cultural educator and consultant we dove into some of her techniques as she tries to get people to open up We dove into why she feels like there's a transformative power in intercultural competence. Things that we need in today's world. You know, the best way to see people is to humanize them, and we dive into different ways to do that. So, in short, it's a really really fun interview. I'm always excited when I meet fellow cross-cultural trainers, consultants. You know, it's it's like, you know, you're meeting one of your fellow brothers and sisters. and i felt like i met a sister in today's episode before we dive into the episode though i want to talk about my upcoming tour dates as you know the book is coming out on september 4th i'm going to put a link to to the book in the show notes so you can pre-order the book and please please pre-order the more pre-orders the more the publisher publishes the books and the more the publisher publishes the books the more they get distributed in different bookstores which will in essence increase the traffic The book is called Use Your Difference to Make a Difference. It's a book on connecting across cultures effectively in divisive times, which ironically is a lot of what we talk about here with Lena. I'm in the beginning stages of planning a book tour this fall in the United States for the book. So, I'm going to put a link in the show notes that includes the two cities that I have so far. I want to do at least a 10 city tour, so make sure that you subscribe to the newsletter. or you constantly check the link that I put in the show notes to see if your city is being added to the 10 city tour. Okay? I love you all. I would really really value your support and make sure you practice everything Lena says in this interview. She's amazing and you're amazing. Check out the interview. Welcome everybody to another episode of As Told by Nomads and today's guest is Lena Papadopoulos. Now, Lena is an intercultural 
educator, consultant, and facilitator. She offers program design, development workshops, and retreats, as well as intercultural competence coaching to help purpose-driven schools, organizations, businesses, and individuals to create customized experiences to facilitate self-discovery and self-awareness. Already, this is one of my favorite things to do already. This is very similar in line with what I do. Uh, her thing is making sure that uh, meaningful human connections and respectful intercultural engagement are formed wherever she uh, lands or touches uh, people's lives. Her driving force is her desire to educate the whole individual mind, heart, and soul. Welcome to the show, Lena. Hi, thank you so much for having me. The pleasure is mine. First thing I want to say before we even get to your story is your name, Lena Papadopoulos. Okay, yes. so is, is, is where's the origin? Is it Greek? Um, yes. Okay. Okay. Yes, okay, my parents are both from Greece. <laughs> okay, and and the reason why I, w- I was surprised because when we were doing the um, uh, the pre-interview, I, I I mistakenly said Lena, or and you said it's Lena, and uh, is that a common mishap with uh, your name when people try to pronounce it? Yes. So everybody is so worried that they're going to mispronounce the last name, but actually that's usually what they get right. (laughs) And and my first name, because in Greek, Lena is how that name is pronounced, but in most parts of the world it is pronounced Lena. So that's, and obviously it it looks like Lena because it's L-E-N-A. So most people make the mistake unless you're from the South where I grew up and people call me Lana. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so funny because I made the same mistake. I was like, "How do you say your last name?" And I, I was so confident with your first name, and I was like, "Ah!" Oh. And I should have thought of it because people always mispronounce my first name. They say Teo, and it's Tayo. But uh, uh-huh. it's interesting to, to hear that. Okay, but you touched on it there. You said you grew up in the South. Can you talk about your background? Where did you grow up? Uh, you know, initially, and how did you stumble or come across the third culture kid world? Yes. So I grew up in South Carolina. Both of my parents immigrated to the U.S. from Greece. Um, and we, I spent a lot of time in Greece, kind of going back and forth. I went to school a little bit in Greece, um, but mostly in South Carolina. And, you know, I always kind of had this experience of not quite being American enough, not being Greek enough. And so that experience really made me interested in learning about different cultures and different people of different backgrounds. And when I was in university, I got really involved in my in the international student community there. Um, but it was later, um, like several years later, after I went to grad school, that I ended up working for a nonprofit social enterprise based in Asia. And we were designing and facilitating leadership development programs at international schools. So I was working with TCKs all the time. Um, so that's how I had that connection through yeah. that. It, it, I want to touch on that identity uh, part because the idea of not being American enough, perhaps not being Greek enough, what did that initially make you feel like? Um, well, you know, it's like you just feel like you don't really fully belong in either place. Um, you're kind of, there are aspects of my identity that are weird to Americans, aspects of my identity that are weird to Greeks. Um, 
And then, of course, I saw that a lot with the third culture kids I was working with. So, um, you know, when I created spaces for really honest, vulnerable conversation with them, what always came up was feeling isolated, feeling lonely, feeling a lack of belonging, um, you know, not knowing where they fit. And, and actually, what was very, very interesting to me is that self-harm was coming up a lot with these students because mm. um, they were, you know, I mean, kind of like, there's so much that they're dealing with really high academic pressures, um, constantly moving, not really belonging or fitting in anywhere. Um, and I think self-harm was a way that they could experience some sense of control. Um, and also, I just think all these different stimuli, in a sense, they were becoming desensitized to a lot of things. And so this was also a way for them to feel. So it was a way to control how they felt. Um, yeah, that was a really, really prevalent issue that I just really was not expecting when I started that work. Yeah, and and that's such a big. I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up because it it is a delicate topic to talk about, but it is something that happens often. You know, mm-hmm. the idea of mental health in and just really, you know, dealing with the pressures of an external world or a world that's almost always defined by by uh, social media sometimes or external stories. Sometimes, if you're not equipped to have that level of self-awareness and, and, and self-assuredness, you can start to find identity somewhere else in an external place and it could be harmful. So mm-hmm. with your observation, and as you said, you started to, you really started to see uh, a path for you when you start working with, with what specific a country in Asia, you said, or several countries in Asia? Um, yeah. So I was first based for a while in Beijing and then I, um, relocated to Bangkok, but I was responsible for all of our partnerships with all the schools we worked with throughout Southeast Asia and Europe. So I kind of just bounced around at these different schools running programs. Well, okay. So this is, I, I we're definitely going to touch on that, but one thing that I, I do want to touch on then for you, that is because you, in, when we were talking before, you said that, uh, especially as we're talking about self-harming here, you said developing a deeper sense of awareness of one's personal strengths, weaknesses, attitudes, and behaviors um, can uh, really help with personal development and personal growth of someone. And I imagine that this can help with, you know, uh, yeah, your mental health as well. So can you dive into that a little bit more? How can we develop a deeper awareness of our strengths, weaknesses, attitudes, behaviors? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I think having this sort of cross-cultural engagement, intercultural exchange is a really powerful way to become self-aware because you kind of have to be really self-aware to understand other people and why they're doing things. So um, developing intercultural competence allows you to understand what has shaped you culturally, socially, how you've been molded by your family, like what are all the things that have made you who you are? It's not really very easy to understand other people unless you understand that. And so that's, for me, that's at the core of intercultural competence. And that's one reason why I think it's so valuable. It's not just interacting effectively and respectfully cross-culturally, but it's really discovering who you are and understanding your place in the world and what that means. And so 
that's why I think it can be so transformative because it really does start with the self. Yeah. Well, then let's use you as an example. How did you become, uh, you know, I guess, really self-aware? You know, what were tools that you worked on within yourselves to really evaluate yourself from uh, from a level where you were able to grow and understand uh, the the parts about yourself that maybe were hidden as you were uh, experiencing the formative periods of your lives, of your life. Mm -hmm. I think for me, it started in university when I was so involved in this international student community and being surrounded by so many different people from so many parts of the world who were coming at everything with a different perspective, a different, you know, set of values, way of viewing the world, and then questioning like, oh, but why do I view the world the way I view it? And then sort of inspired by my relationships with those people, I started to travel more and more. And to be honest, the beginning of my travel journey, a lot of it was trying to escape myself. Mm. Um, and my mom said that to me once. She said, honestly, like, I don't know where you're going. I feel like you're just trying to run away from yourself. And I was so offended that she said that. <laughs> so, so mad at her. And then I realized later, like, oh, I'm so offended because it's true. Um, that is what I'm doing in a sense. But of course, you realize that's not possible because you are always there with you. And I have also struggled my whole life with mental health and um, bouts of depression and suicidal ideation. And that does not go away, right? It doesn't matter where I go, that follows me. Um, so the those things that just really forced me to look at myself and say like, okay, this is actually who I am and what I'm struggling with and what I need to face and deal with. And I now am like really, really an advocate for sitting with pain, working through pain, facing pain, and not trying to run away from it because right. of that experience. Yeah. You know, and I thank you so much for sharing that. Because uh, I, I definitely identify, I think a lot of the problems we have today, uh, especially with the divides, are because people are strangers to themselves. Mm -hmm. Now, if you do add an intercultural element, um, and, and I know you know this because you grew up in several cultures as well, there are certain cultures sometimes that, um, you know, discussing mental health can will mm -hmm. require a different level of uh, of tact or integration so yeah. how would you then incorporate that in, in in cultures where you know mental health is not seen the normal i mean i can say that from my personal experience where uh when i when i grew up you know my i was initially told that uh therapists were only for americans you know uh, and or people in, in the west and i'm nigerian and so i i was always told to suck it up so what would you say uh, if you want to incorporate that in, 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 uh, cultural norms like that. Yeah, that can definitely be a tough one because you're right. It, it can culturally be something very shunned, something that's shameful to talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, I spent like a year in China and that's also the case there. Um, yeah, it's tough. I think, I think just creating as safe spaces as possible for people to feel that they can share a bit about what they feel and maybe also explore culturally, okay, why is there a stigma around this? Why does it exist? 
why is it not accepted? And just looking at the ways that different people in different places perceive mental health and deal with it. And just having a conversation about how that is different and why it might be different. Um, I mean, it's not easy, but I think the truth is that when people are, are struggling with that and dealing with it, they know that that's the case for them. And they know that that's something that causes them pain. And it's something that they wish they could share and wish they had a space to address. Um, so I think once it's created, it can almost be a relief, even if it's super, super uncomfortable for them to to get into it initially. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, you know what's interesting, what I'm hearing is initially you said, you know, you talked about the importance of self-awareness and that when you understand your strengths and weaknesses, uh, attitudes and behaviors, you can then use that to approach people from different cultures because you you know which aspects of yourself to lean on to uh, to tap into your connection uh, muscle. So if you want to connect with someone from a different culture that's not maybe used to being as open, it's really about knowing how to listen and mm-hmm. understand what you know the path of a connection is and then incorporating that into their lives. Mm-hmm. And so not making a cookie cutter uh, mm-hmm. yes. is, is, is probably the best way to incorporate uh, cross-cultural or mental health discussion in different cultures because you have to make it um, a conversational piece that sh- they can see themselves growing in. And you, you, and to your point, the first thing is to create a safe space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, okay. So we talked about that, but what about uh, learning about different ideas, values, norms, experiences, and behaviors? I think curiosity is a very undervalued. Uh, mm-hmm assets that many people don't tap into. I also feel like a lot of the problems we see in today's world are stemmed directly from fear and ignorance. And mm-hmm. those things can be solved or limited if we follow our curiosities more. So mm-hmm. what are ways that people can learn about different ideas, values, and norms? Yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, I mean, I think the easiest way and maybe um you know the least threatening way is to seek out information to read books and read articles and listen to different kinds of music and watch different kinds of movies um you know i i do this assessment with people when i work on intercultural competence coaching and it sort of measures their effectiveness to engage interculturally on several different dimensions And one of those is positive regard. And that's sort of like, how willing are you to trust people who are different than you? How open are you to engage with difference? Um, Do you assume the best about people or not? And that is probably that along with self-awareness, ironically, is what people usually score the lowest on. Um, And so when somebody scores low on positive regard and we want to work on that, what I what I do with them is I say, okay, let's talk about the assumptions that you make about different groups of people. Let's talk about the stereotypes that you have about different groups of people. And we make an exhaustive list. And then their task is to find any and every piece of information they can that contradicts that. Mm. So, um, you know, so just seeking out examples that contradict your bias, I think, is a is a good way. Like you said, curiosity is so important and there aren't enough people 
who are willing to ask, okay, why is that person doing that? Why do they think that? It's just like, oh, because it doesn't align with me, it's wrong. But no, you have to understand where it comes from, just like the way that you think and do is, you know, contextual just as it is for them. Yeah. Yeah. You have to understand the root of, 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 of mm-hmm. the potential problem. And sometimes a lot of actually not sometimes a lot of times people don't think that a lot of the, the, the way they think they are is because of something that they were conditioned to believe or a, a bias that they have or value that they, uh, you know, that they, you know, they believe. And so that level of self-assessment allows you to to um, really understand where to start from. So, OK, once there's that level of awareness, which I love that it keeps coming back to self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, how do you then move to the, the part of interacting um, and cultivating meaningful relationships with people that maybe don't have or share the same experiences that you've had? Right. Um, well, yes, this is where I think, again, um, curiosity is important. So just having conversations like, oh, well, that's interesting. That's different from what I believe or think. Why is it that you think that? Just going back to what we were just saying, instead of just making an assumption that, oh, that way is wrong, or just really seeking to listen to people, as we said before, and not feel you know, the need to teach or educate, but to be educated. Um, and I mean, I really, really encourage people to develop intercultural relationships and that can be that can mean anything right it can be somebody from a different country somebody from a different faith a different gender identity like all of these are cultures so just seeking to understand like what somebody else's life experience is like and and showing up being vulnerable leaning into discomfort um you know, just, I mean, because it can really be uncomfortable for people to, to sort of come against what is different, but that's also where there's the most opportunity to learn and grow. Because if you're constantly surrounding yourself with like-minded people who think and behave and believe everything you do, then your mind is never going to be expanded to any other ideas or possibilities. You know? Yeah. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash people today. It's interesting because it does 
this is a concept that you do believe in because what you're saying um, lends itself to something that you talk about often. It's you say, assume the best about people uh, and limit your tendency to judge and stereotype different. So if you're saying assume the best, you're talking about assuming the best intentions. Now, on the surface, I'm sure there's someone out now saying, what are you saying, Lena? What, what, do you, what do you mean? I don't know that person. That person is a stranger. Haven't you heard of stranger danger? You want to, what, what are you talking about? And uh, this is me playing devil's advocate because I do teach this as well. But I, I want to really address that person right now or those group of people because I do understand that as well where you're talking about, hey, okay, you told me to be self-aware. Fine. Read, talk, engage about even with people that share different beliefs with me. Now you want me to just assume the best? What about what I just saw in the news? What are you talking about? What do you say to that? Right. Well, um... <laughs> <laughs> I, I had to be animated. I was, don't mind. I was just pretending to be that person. So I'm trying to put you in that mindset. <laughs> right. Of course. But if, you know, if the other side is going to you know, how do you feel when other groups or other types of people or whatever are making judgments and assumptions and negative, have a negative sort of view of you without taking any time to get to know you, right? Like, put yourself in that position. You know that you are trustworthy or that you are a good person or whatever, but if they just label you based on one of your identities and have no interest in getting to know you, then obviously isn't that going to be hurtful to you? Or aren't you going to be upset by that, offended by that? You know, like, mm -hmm. let's say Greece and Turkey, for example, have this, this intense conflict that they claim has been going on since the beginning of time, which is not true. This wasn't what my whole graduate research was about. Um, but they view each other as this enemy. And this is very much based on religious identity and how that plays a role in national identity. And collectively, you can ask a lot of Greek people and they say, oh, yes, like we hate Turks. And you ask Turkish people and they say we hate Greeks. Yep. But then one on one, like you'll find out actually they have like best friends <laughs> from these places. Right. So it's like, mm, Yes, but you have to take that example and see, okay, that person breaks that stereotype. So they cannot all be bad, right? That's the value of developing relationships with individuals is that they prove those generalizations wrong. Yeah. I love that so much because you're really stressing humanization. And I that those conflicts are things I think about often, by the way. Um, you know, they're, you know, I... I it's no secret to my listeners. I grew up under two military dictatorships for the first part of my life. And a lot of a lot of the things that stem from uh, that cause the conflict are tribalism. But I do think about Greeks, Greece, Turkey, Turkey, Armenia, India, Palestine, uh, in, in, uh, India, Pakistan, Israel, mm -hmm. Palestine, um, all these countries. Right. Um, that have deep, deep rooted conflicts. And I've had conversations with people on different sides. And it is, like you say, it's hate, all that. And um, and it's really, um, it always causes me to, to really want to try and solve that. But it, when I do do what you do, which is what you said, it's hear both sides. You can hear individually that they, you know, they, that most of them will be willing to have a conversation. It's more in the identity aspect, the national, the uh, religion, or the, the 
the pride that comes with that. So um, I, I, I certainly hope that we can get to one place where we learn how to humanize and see a bigger picture. But I also understand the complexity of what that is, uh, just because it's I, I think some of these things have been generations of gener uh, of stories and, and ideas. And it's, uh, you know, the stories we tell ourselves sometimes um, end up becoming stronger than those things. Right. And like um, a good deal of my research, you know, was also showing how um, basically these this bias of the Greeks have toward Turks and vice versa has been integrated into the educational system. So people are yeah. also being taught things that aren't true mm -hmm. um, for the sake of maintaining this divide. And, you know, we have to, that's why we have to question. We have to question everything that we receive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, this is so good. I, I feel, uh, <laughs> I, I love, I always love, um, meeting uh people in the field um and talking about this because sometimes i don't know if you've experienced this but when you have these thoughts in your head you, you know i'm always accused of being idealistic <laughs> uh, and so i'm like wait am i am i just being naive here or <laughs> and so when, when i hear someone say something similar and well, like what you said i uh i have like this internal uh jolt of energy so i'm like ah I'm not say okay, so it's, it's not me because I because uh, I, I mine comes with personal experience as well. But what I'm hearing is um, you're saying a lot. Oftentimes we judge people uh, based on their actions, but we judge us uh, judge ourselves based on our intentions, right? And mm -hmm. we don't normally have that same attitude when we think about other people. And so sometimes if we uh, rush to assumption it can be dangerous because it really then feeds into the shadow sides of ourselves, which is quicker mm -hmm. to judge and to stereotype uh, difference. And and if you look at history, throughout history, uh, and, and I talk about this often, is the, the biggest problems that we've had, any war, conflict, disagreement, has been because of an adverse reaction to something that's different. Uh, right. It, whether it's a different culture, different religion, different shade of skin, <laughs> different eye color, whatever it is, uh, different nationality. And so the better we are at forming relationships with or, or getting more comfortable rather with difference, uh, mm -hmm. the better we'll become um, as, a, as a global world, uh, citizens, essentially. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's why I say use your difference to make a difference, people. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, hopefully that resonates. Okay. Um, what about uh, dealing with uh, challenging emotional experiences? Because as much as we've talked about the best intentions, there are times when um, some people will actually have traumatic experiences with different uh, backgrounds, different cultures. And uh, for some people, it will just strengthen their, mm -hmm. their bias <laughs> and mm -hmm. their stereotype. Or it would just make, you know, just, you know, it's challenging for people to connect. So how do you recover from such an experience? Right. Yes. Because it is definitely the case. You know, that's another interesting thing that I see um, when I do this assessment with people is that sometimes they will regress in some areas um, after after having intercultural exposure and being faced with difference. And usually they most often regress in in their emotional resilience. And that's because Either they they made a mistake and felt ashamed and were too afraid to um, to try to rectify it and just kind of withdrew into themselves, 
or they felt aggravated or agitated or upset about something that they experienced that they felt reinforced the negative assumption or bias that they had in the first place. And so then they began to see like everything colored with that same negativity. So like, for example, I went to lunch with someone the other day who has been living here for mm, close to a year now. And she's from the U S and she was talking to me about how different work is right. Because everything is culturally colored. So the way that people process information, the way that they make decisions, everything they do is different from what she's used to. And in her mind, it's ineffective. It's inefficient. It takes too long. Um, you know, she doesn't, she doesn't like the way that it's done. So now like that's her experience of everything around her because she's so, upset about her work life that now the transport is inefficient and ineffective and the way that this thing happens and that thing. And that's what she sees everywhere all around her. And she actually was like, she could recognize that and see that and know that, okay, my experience at work is coloring my experience here overall. And I hate it because of that. But right. When we, we, do that and overgeneralize like about everything and don't take the time to actually again be self-aware and see like how we are allowing one situation to color everything right it it's always coming back to the self-awareness and self-understanding it does indeed and for those listening when she says here she's in the country of georgia okay yeah. so that's what she means and it's not uh, Georgia, the state. So right. uh, a lot of people are always surprised that there's a country called Georgia. There is a country called Georgia. Right. Um, and and, and um, it, that's in, uh, for I know where it is, but for those listening, what countries border it, would you say? Right. So um, Georgia is bordered by Turkey, Armenia, Azerbaijan, and Russia. Exactly. Exactly. And so um, I've met uh, a few Georgians and sometimes you, I have, I think the ones I've met have had more of a Russian influence and that's probably because they come from that area. But like you just heard uh, Lena say, there are different neighboring countries. So depending on which part they live in, um, you, you might detect a few influences, but it, it's, it's very important as you're engaging in intercultural competence to really seek to understand different cultures and to start to, to, to read up on the world and understand that the world is much bigger than we give it credit for. I think a lot of the stories that we see in the world tend to be, uh, to highlight, you know, certain aspects of the world, but a lot of other parts of the world don't get to be told. So studying geography, studying, um, world history and actual world history, not revisionist history, um, can really help opening your, your mind and, uh, potentially, uh, you know, um, sparking your curiosity. So just a thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so what, uh, tell us then about what's taking you to, to Georgia. Why are you in Georgia right now? Um, well, so I just kind of move around. I'm location independent. And so, um, I spent the last few months in Spain 
And now I'm here because I was very curious to learn more about Georgia and I wanted to see and experience it for myself. And so I'm living here until the middle of August and then I'll be spending a few months with my family in Greece. So I just kind of bounce around a bit. The, the bouncing around a bit lifestyle. <laughs> I, 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 always, I always love, I, that's the first time I've used that. So thank you for giving me that. Uh, that, that sounds like a book actually, but um, <laughs> uh, how can one do that in an in a, uh, economical way? Um, well, I mean, I think it really depends on on where you choose to go, I guess. Uh, well, of course, I'm from the U.S. I have an American passport. I'm super privileged in that. Lots of passport privilege. Um, so I can spend a whole year in Georgia without a visa, which obviously for a lot of people from a lot of places, visa free yeah. travel is, is not so easy. Um, mm -hmm. and for me where the dollars goes very far here. So, you know, of course, Georgians don't have the best salary, but for me, my, my money goes really far here. And so I just kind of choose, I guess, to be in places where I can be, where that is the case. Um, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. And, and for those listening, um, so yeah, what she's saying about the passport is definitely true. I, I, uh, I'm, uh, <laughs> I am, I'm a Nigerian, so I definitely understand the, okay. the levels of my passport is different from, from Lena's, uh, an exam, uh, for example, but one thing to explore, especially if you want to start traveling, is since for, I'll use myself, since I'm Nigerian, there are a lot of West African countries that I could go to because mm -hmm. of my proximity and that you can start off with countries near you or countries that you, your your country has a treaty with or things like mm -hmm. that. Commonwealth, for example, Nigeria is part of the Commonwealth, so countries in that. So that sort of whets your appetite and starts mm -hmm. to get you to explore. and. Um, for, you know, while you're doing that, you could also be applying for visas that take longer, but in the process, you're still in, you know, embedded in different cultures. So I want you to, to think about it from a short term, long term, uh, point of view. And so, uh, I, I love that you brought up the, the idea of, um, passport privilege, because sometimes you can, you can then leverage that to expand your knowledge, which is what you're doing. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, the the the, uh, the the other question before we start to get, to get to the point where we wrap up the interview is, mm -hmm. you organize a lot of workshops and you work you you facilitate leadership development programs and 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 you create customized experiences. There are many people here in the on and we're listening who are aspiring consultants, aspiring facilitators. Can you walk us through your process? So first, I would do a sort of needs assessment with them, which could be like an hour to an hour and a half and really get deep into why are they seeking this out? What do like, how do they think it's going to benefit them? What do they hope that the outcomes will be? What, you know, I ask different questions so that I can better understand what are the challenges that I'm going to face um, coming into that space and into that specific like group of people um, and then I get like a bajillion papers and I lay them out around me and I start like writing every kind of activity I can think of that would fit the different sort of categories that I want to address. And then I go through kind of organizing it and thinking about, okay, how does the one thing stack on the other? How do they connect? Like I'm super, super intentional in everything 
that I create. So I put so, so much thought into how it all connects, how I'm going to weave it together and refer back to things um, so that it's just everything is stacking on and scaffolding, I guess, so that, um, yeah, so that ultimately we reach their goals, but also like making sure that I allow for the flexibility to to adapt to what's actually happening once I'm there, because, you know, you can plan and plan and plan, but then things don't always go the way you plan. Um, and things might pop up that, you know, the person that I did the needs assessment with actually didn't know anything about. So I just kind of try to prepare myself for all the possibilities so that we can work through anything that we need to work through. And creating that safe space that I mentioned before is so, so important to me. So I've actually had um, a couple of people tell me that I'm not really like the best or right kind of person to do this kind of work because I'm not super energetic when I facilitate. I'm not super like smiley and happy and maybe the way I imagine you might be like just full of life and energy. Um, but I know that one thing I do so, so, so well is create space for people to feel comfortable and safe. And so I'm like a really good listener. I'm very intuitive. I pick up on, I pick up on really small things that other people may miss. And then I bring attention to them. So anyway, that's my, that's my process, I guess. (laughs) No, yeah, I, I do want I do want to touch on that because I, there's a misconception that only extroverts can do this mm-hmm. type of work, and I don't agree with that. Um, mm-hmm. And so, to those people that said you can't do that, I'll tell them to just look at your success and then uh, reassess. <laughs> wow, look at your success and reassess. I just, I just, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just rhyming. I'm sorry. This is this is my head. <laughs> but um, I because I certainly disagree with that because the reason yeah. why I'm saying that is uh, as someone who's done this and does the same then you do and creates a customized experience. I think the first thing, and I agree with it, is creating a needs assessment is so key because the biggest mistake and the reason why sometimes this gets a bad rap is because people think that you can transfer the same process across industries or across oh, no. companies. And <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and it continues. And then you see stats that say, oh, well, this is this type of training fails, this type of training doesn't work. And I'm, I'm always saying it's probably because someone a- approached the cookie cutter approach. But the uh, my experience with, um, you know, because I, I identify as an ambivert, even though I present as an extrovert, uh, <laughs> I'm in a ENFJ. So I guess for the most part, people would think of me, um, uh, mm-hmm. identify with me as an extrovert, but I, there are moments where I need to recharge and I'm, I love just being by myself. And then I'm also the same guy that likes to talk to people. But I think mm-hmm. with my conversations with introverts, a lot of what I've heard is the, the understanding what um what type of things to include in presentations and facilitation that many people don't normally uh, include uh whether it's with activities or whether it's with um things for personal development and that can only come from someone that's that's had that experience of having to be exposed to extra representing things and then you know lack of things that actually cater to their needs and i, I you know so i definitely push back on, on uh, that type of thinking because there are many types of people in the world and so Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to understand that there are many types of people within the people you facilitated. Mm-hmm. As as we wrap up, where can people find you? Um, well, I have a website that's www.lenapapadopoulos.com. So if if you can spell that, good luck. Um, 
And then also I'm on social media on Instagram and Facebook also as Lena Papadopoulos. And I have not uh, ventured into the world of Twitter. <laughs> and I think I may not. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, yeah, so that's where I am. <laughs> All right. I'll make sure I put that in the show notes. But uh, let's circle back to the final question that I always ask my guests, which is my mission statement reframed as a question. My mission statement is to use your difference to make a difference. Uh, how do you, Lena, use your difference to make a difference? Yeah, well, I think that exactly sort of what you said before, the fact that I am kind of this, this introverted person, I do like to spend a lot of time with myself. I spend a lot of time cultivating my self-awareness, trying to reflect on who I am, why I am, the things that I do, how I impact other people. Um, I'm very intentional in how I engage with people. I listen. I really want to know people. Like you were talking about the humanizing aspect before. Like I want to see every person as a unique individual and understand what makes them who they are. And I think that this is what I bring to the world. This is how I use my difference to make a difference is to, is to, I don't know, I guess allow people to come fully as they are and feel accepted. That's a beautiful way to use your difference to make a difference, Lena. And uh, once again, introverts rule. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thank you so much for spending time with us and and really uh, sharing your thoughts. This has been very enlightening. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Ah, The pleasure is mine. And ladies and gentlemen, till next time, use your difference to make a difference. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.